You're listening to the Bromsgrove Standard Podcast because you have impeccable taste. Hi there and welcome to this week's Bromsgrove Standard Podcast. I'm really excited to be joining the studio uh, with Droitwich Town Councillor Alan Humphreys. Hello Alan, how are you? Hello, good morning, I'm fine, thank you. A bit wet, but... A bit wet. That, fine, <laughs> yes. Um, how was your journey uh, here today, your commute this morning on the train? Uh, the commute on the train was fine apart from the weather, uh, the trains ran on time. Yeah. Um, weren't overly full for a change. Weren't overly full, yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, we've, we've met a, f- a few times over this um, issue uh, with West Midlands Railway uh, in particular, that that section is just really quite bad at the minute, isn't it? We, 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 you, well, you didn't organise the meeting, it was West Midlands bosses that organised the meeting at the station the other week to talk to commuters about how they could improve the services. But you, you got the message out there uh, to Droitwich residents to make sure that they were there and they were on, able to ask the questions that they wanted. I was just wondering, um, you, you know, why did you feel that was important to get that message out there? Well, just a quick one first. Although they called a meeting, they did absolutely nothing to advertise it. And as you quite rightly say... Um, I did the bulk of the advertising for yeah. that meeting, and even to the extent, as you're aware, because you were there on the day, I was there with the speaker making <laughs> sure that people getting off trains knew that they were there yeah. so that they could um, speak to them. And yes. they hid themselves away in the ticket office and were eventually forced out. I say forced, that's probably a bit extreme, but you know they had to come out of the office to talk to the volume of people that actually wanted to talk to them. Mm-hmm. But I felt it was important to call that meeting because for a number of years in which we've had substandard services, services that run late, services that don't have the correct number of um, uh, carriages, uh, services that haven't got the facilities, sometimes without toilets, um, short-formed cancellations because of signalling problems, which I understand aren't West Midlands Railways issue, that's down to network rail, but things like staff shortages. Uh, and to give you a further example of that, of that in the two weeks that followed the meeting on the July the 18th, every single conceivable reason for a train either being cancelled or short-formed, every single day in that 14-day period came out. There wasn't one single day when there wasn't a problem on the train through Droitwich, and that is on both lines, the Snow Hill to uh, Worcester Line and the Birmingham to Hereford Line. So whatever promises they're making, they can't even cope with what they've got at the moment. And I just feel that Droitwich deserves better. Mm. It deserves much better than it's getting. And it deserves much more than, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it'll be soon. Um, What does soon mean? I mean, they said 2020. Well, last time I checked, there are 12 months in the year. That could mean we might not see anything until December 2020. Yeah. I mean, they they took over from the the old provider in 2017, didn't they? And they they, they were yeah. I was there with you. They were telling um, their customers essentially that new trains are coming, like you say, but weren't, weren't really that specific on a date. Um, and and I think most people were just really upset with how, as you say, how many carriages were there. On I mean. Was it peak time? A lady was saying that she gets a peak time train in the morning to get to work and they only provide two or three carriages at a time, so she's standing up, they're squashed against the window. Yeah. Oh, I catch the train, oh, I get on the train myself and it's it's awful. I, I, yeah. I use West Midlands Railway myself. So. Well, yeah, and um, and they're paying well over £1,000 for a season ticket mm. for that. And, I mean, on the day itself, 
the 520 from New Street to Hereford was short formed, if you remember. Mm. And I remember I was getting messages from commuters on that train who knew the meeting was going ahead saying it's short formed. Um, can you make sure they stay there until we get there because we want to say something to them? Mm. So it was even happening while they were there at the train station. Didn't go unnoticed that not one of them, not one of the four people that were present at Droitwich train station travelled on the train to or from that meeting. They all use cars. Yeah. Um, it's it's difficult not to th- not to see the irony in that. It really is. Yeah, I mean we have some of the highest ticket prices in Europe, we and do. yet there yeah. you don't even get a seat. It's yeah. just absolutely ridiculous. It was just this morning actually um, that the it, there's potentially going to be a fresh increase of about two point nine percent in fares expected to come into effect by January, and of course that's not West Midlands railway fault. That is set by government, isn't yeah. it? But, um, I mean, that could add £100 to the annual season tickets for many commuters, and it, it means the overall cost is up by 46% since 2009, while uh, the wages within the sector have risen by 23%. So there's a bit of imbalance there, really, isn't there? It's just not the service that it should be. Well, there is, and there's also, of course, the issue of bonuses paid to, to senior staff um, within the organisation as well. They're not going down, they're going up year on year. And the passenger doesn't see anything. The passenger that travels on January the 3rd after Christmas mm. will not see any difference for their increase than they would have seen when they broke up for Christmas. It will just be the same, mm. probably worse, yeah. because we're still not getting anything. We're still getting... We, we've had... I follow West Midlands Railways on Twitter. They've admitted that they diverted some of the services that were in place that were just about making it bearable through the drawbridge line to other services that they perceived needed it more. Mm. Um, so we lost out in that timetable rejig back in May. We lost out completely. Mm. Two weeks ago, we had one train, the 520, which I've referred to earlier, cancelled four times out of five. It's the busiest commuter train in the week. And it was cancelled four out of the five days. And on the fifth occasion, it actually ran 23 minutes late. I know this because I catch it. I don't want to seem unduly sad about knowing these sorts of things. (laughs) But it's the one that I normally catch. So I was having to wait half an hour for another train. Mm. And that will go on being the case while we're not having any investment in our line. And I mean, I'm sure other lines are suffering as well. I'm absolutely convinced of it, but you know I'm thinking of the commuters in Droitwich at the moment when yeah. I'm when I'm doing this when I'm tr- trying to do the best I can to see if we can improve it even even in a small way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this particular line is just really bad. I mean, speaking from experience, they always seem to come up with a new excuse when you hear that over the tannoy it's either yeah. like leaves on the track yeah. or overhead wires or, yeah. or you know, well, the leaves on the properly. track is a classic and will come back into force in October of course on the cross city line um, you know at a time when we're, the German market is about to start as mm. well and, um, but that's an absolute classic yeah. they've got no they don't seem to have any plan B for anything that might occur mm. I mean you know it, it's kind of like I'm a football supporter I won't tell you who I support just in case it puts some of your listeners off but it's, um, it's, you know, the two sides can play at home on the same day, going down the same line back into Worcester, because obviously people travel from Worcester to watch professional football. Not that the football in Worcester isn't good. Um, yeah. You know, there are other teams, as they say. Um, it's, um, but there's nothing. You can ram yourself into a train. It's got to be unsafe at some point. Yeah. It's, it, there comes a point where you can't literally can't get onto a train. Mm. Um, and then on, on a Saturday or a Sunday when football takes place, just using that as another example, you're just stuck for another hour yeah. waiting. And then 
add the German market to that around about Christmas, and you really, really do suffer on that yeah. line. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I think it's dangerous, actually, that yeah. line when there's people standing up and getting squashed against the window. Yeah. You can, even in the winter, it's so hot. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm, I'm sure they have had a few people faint, actually. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not, sort of... not last season, but the season before. I remember going to the last game of the season, getting the train back to draw it, which on a Sunday, because yeah. the last games were always on a Sunday, and I'd bought a sandwich. And I couldn't actually... I got myself right into the corner by the door when I got on the train. I couldn't physically open that sandwich until I got to Bronze Grove. Mm. That's how bad it was. And people are crying. And as you say, there are people um, with mobility issues that are forced to stand. There are people with anxiety issues. Um, You know, people... uh, It was a warm day. People were hyperventilate. And as you say, I'm sure people are fainted. I've never witnessed that yet, to be fair, but I'm sure that's going to happen at some point. Yeah. I'm just going a bit further afield, I've got um, Claire Bullivant in the studio as well, a journalist Claire Bullivant, and she um, she often goes to LA, and you say that the, the prices on the day, I mean, it's not West Midlands uh, per se, but you say to get to London, it's just ridiculous, and to hear today that the, the fares will go up again early next year. Yeah, um, a few months ago, actually, I went down to London, and my ticket, I think it cost about £100, and sometimes I can get a flight to LA for... $180, so you do the math, and it's, um, yeah, it's crazy to just do that short journey yeah. down to London. What, what can be done? I think there's, it's easy to say nationalisation, given my background, it's easy to say nationalisation, put that back into the control of the public, but that's not going to happen for a considerable time. People have got to be held to account, properly to account, for the services that they're not providing. I was going to say providing, but it's that they're, they're not providing. You know, people have got to witness this firsthand. The people in influential positions, MPs, more senior councillors than me, you know, um, have got to actually witness what people are, are suffering. And I do use that word, suffering, on a day-to-day basis. I saw pictures on Twitter this morning um, of a two-carriage train yesterday where people literally couldn't move. You know, they were wedged on their wedge between cases because people are using trains as well at this time of year to go to the airport to go on holiday or to go to New Street to get a train, maybe to a desti- another destination in the UK to go on holiday. So you've got cases and you've got people rammed in. People need to see, and they've got to, if they're not providing, if it goes on a regular basis, and the stats will show this, if it goes on a regular basis, they've got to be properly fined and properly sort of regulated as to what they're doing. Um, you know, this isn't political. Everybody is suffering on a day-by-day basis. Anybody that gets on that train, the mad dash, I normally get the 713 um, from Droitwich um, to Birmingham to get another train to go on to where I work mm-hmm. every day. I didn't today because I'm here with you two lovely people, but <laughs> it, it's one of those things where there's a mad dash for the doors when the train stops in the hope that you're going to get a seat. And, I mean, I realise that the country's um, experience differently because I've famously seen a video in Japan, where they employ people to push people onto yeah, trains. Yeah, I've seen those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not far off. Yeah. It feels like that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, it definitely feels like that. And surely we don't want to get to that stage. Because, or you need to introduce a, a graded pricing system. You know, go back to the point, if, you, if you're prepared not to sit, pay less. Mm. You know, but you see, revenue isn't even inspected properly. It's another bugbear of mine. You can get on those trains... And you can get from your starting point to your end point without your ticket being checked. Oh, often, yeah. Yeah, yeah. often. It's, it's often the case. I mean, I've got a... Uh, I use a Swift card, so I, you know, just tap in and out of places that I go to. 
But I can go to places. My mother lives in Smethwick. I can go on the Snow Hill Line to Smethwick. I can get on at Droitwich, and you don't get, get off on at Smethwick, yeah. and I don't get checked at all. And, and there's think, no controller either end. Do you think lots of people are using service and not paying? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Absolutely, 100%. And I mean, I pay, and I think it's important to pay, and I think it's important to make the point, obviously, people are providing a service, and you need to pay for it. But, but you do feel disillusioned, don't yeah. you, to not have it checked? You think, why, yeah. why, why am I yeah. doing it why, why am I when doing others this? aren't doing it? But, you know, and I, I would always pay, and I would never advocate that people don't pay, but if you're not going to get checked, people are going to think, well, can I get away with this? And why do I have to pay if someone else yeah. is getting away with it? Absolutely. And then it, it just causes, it causes arguments. And, and, and I, you know, I just, I, I struggle, but it, it is not regulated at the moment. It's all driven by profit. It's a profit mantra from the train companies. Do you think that they are missing a trick if they're not checking tickets yeah. and having half of the people not there? I think there? they say they're understaffed, don't they? But it's yeah. always something understaffed, undertrained. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's people. right. I mean, one of the reasons given for the delays over the past couple of weeks is that we haven't quite got enough of staff at the moment, but we're training 200 new staff. And apparently it takes a year to train the driver. Now, I accept that completely. I mean, it's, it's, it's a difficult job in that sense. And it's not something where you can just get on a train and hope after a few weeks that you're going to get it right. I accept that completely. I do accept that. But having said that, why now? You must have spotted, they must have spotted this coming before. But the, the lack of train staff has, has come in the holiday period. You know, staff are entitled to holidays. Of course they are. Um, you know, without a shadow of a doubt. But you need to have you a contingency. Yeah. You know? I mean, I go on a holiday. Somebody has to cover for me. Mm. You know, you go on holiday, presumably somebody has to cover for you, yeah, you know, yeah. in, in a way. Yeah. Um, I realise that the, the jobs we all do are different, but it, you, you just you don't nearly grind to a halt because you haven't invested in the staff or you haven't got enough staff to do the job. Yeah. And if you're not employing enough staff, it suggests to me that people up higher up are thinking, let's run this on the bare bones and hope that it works out, mm-hmm. and rather than you know, employing more people and paying more. You know, it's difficult not to think that senior managers are actually thinking, well, this will cut into our bonuses if we don't. You, you obviously um, know a lot about it. Where does do it correctly? Are there any areas or regions that we can learn Pro- from? Probably a few a lot better than us. <laughs> well, the, the probably are, but actually, if you look around, we are bad. But if you look at the Great Northern routes, uh, the, the Northern routes uh, round about Manchester and then um, down in the south, I follow all of these on Twitter and people who use those services. We suffer really in a way of not as much as they do, but it's all relative because there are lots more people using the services in those areas. Some of the stories you read um, on Twitter, on social media, are dreadful. You know, three trains in a, three trains in a row cancelled in the south and then everybody's packing onto the fourth kind of like that Japan scenario I just described and you know so I would say actually the probable I haven't particularly seen a good example in this country it gets about okay I actually think if we look to the way the Europeans um, run some of their train services there's better examples over there than there is in this country we have an aging transport infrastructure which is which is failing you know we had last week if you recall on Friday the line between London, Euston and Birmingham effectively closed for 15 hours because the wires had come down. Um, 
where else do you see that happening on a regular basis? Because it does happen on a regular basis in this country. And that's, to me, we've, we haven't invested in the actual overall rail infrastructure as a country, not as an area or as an individual area. We've just failed to put that investment in. And all they're doing is putting a plaster on the cut when it happens. You know, So that bit of signalling has come down, which has disrupted. I couldn't get to work. I work in Coventry. I could not get to work on the London Euston line on, fr- on Friday morning. Mm-hmm. I just turned around and came home. Mm-hmm. My manager said, go home. <laughs> you know, she said, what's the point? She said, even if you get here, she said, what time are you going to get home if you're going back? And there's that aspect to it. We just need, we need a massive injection of cash, whatever it is, into the infrastructure in this country because until that happens, we're only ever in plastering over the cuts. And another thing I wanted to talk to you about, Alan, was the car parking charges being yeah. introduced at Droitwich Railway Station. Yeah. It is the uh, West Midlands Railway that have introduced that. Um, and as a councillor, as you were telling me earlier, you don't have any control over that or yeah. anything like that because they're usually council-run car parks, aren't they, typically? Yeah. But how do you think this will affect Droitwich residents? The area where I represent, Droitwich Central, which is where the train station is, um, I, I think charging like this is going to have quite a profound effect on them because at the moment you've got certain parts of that area around the station are free and certain parts are charged for. You've effectively got four car parking facilities there, um, one either side of the station that run parallel to each platform, which, as you quite rightly say, belong to West Midlands Railways. Normally those sorts of areas belong to the local authority um, and you would, and I think Redditch is an example where that car park belongs to the local yeah. authority, although I'm not 100% certain on that one. Um, and then there's two car parks at the back of the train station, which are owned by private groups uh, and who charge for those facilities. So inevitably with free services, there's a rush to get the car parking spaces in the morning. Um, by charging, I don't think it's going to stop people using the car parks. I think what it's going to do is push those people a little bit further away from the station into the roads in the area where I live, because I live a 10-minute walk, if that's, from the train station, and you're going to have the roads around there even more congested with cars, that with passengers that use the train station than they already are, mm. because we have, and there is no effective way of regulating that at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's going to increase the frustration. There was a public meeting held last year in Droitwich in May or June last year, which I attended... Um, and one of the big frustrations that came out of the that meeting for that area was exactly that. Cars coming from out of the area, not, sometimes not out of the area, just other parts of Droitwich, parking in the area, effectively blocking roads, um, uh, blocking drives on mm-hmm. certain occasions, um, and it's just going to have... It's going to make those people feel more and more angry. And... Um, West London's Railways did this with no consultation with any of us didn't speak to well, us about it, it. Yeah, just I, introduced it I didn't see anything of the sort yeah. but when I did contact them the yeah. uh, West Midlands uh, Railway bosses said they had reduced the daily rate to £3 from the £4.50 initially proposed yeah. during the consultation period after listening to customer feedback but as you just said I, I saw absolutely nothing on it until they'd come back yeah. and told me that well, I don't think right. it was if it was out there it certainly wasn't yeah. but that's clear, right was and I mean I mean, they can put forward that argument, but if you're already paying 12 to £13 mm. per day to do a return journey to Birmingham from Droitwich, and then you're adding £3 to that, 
um, I failed maths twice at school, so I'm not going to try and work that out <laughs> at the moment. Um, you know, you can see what you're talking close on £20 a day to travel to and from Birmingham, from Droitwich. £100 a week, £400 a month. Times that by 12. That's where my maths starts to fail. Um, you know, um, and it adds up. You know, and people are not getting wage increases that allows them to compensate for that. So, you know, they can say it's been reduced from £4.50 to £3 all they like. And they can even say, because I saw in the article you were kind enough to send me, that they're saying if you've got a season ticket, you can have it for £1.12 per day. Um, It's still added cost. Um, The train station, in my opinion, um, is not in the greatest of nick. I was saying to you outside of sitting here for this podcast that... Um, I think Bark Green is actually maintained and it's an unstaffed station at Bark Green and it's better maintained than Droitwich is. Mm. You know, got a couple of shelters, um, half the time the lights don't work, um, you have to go and get a key for the loo from the ticket office, half the time the ticket office isn't open, mm. um, and so on and so on. Um, and you just all you're doing is paying one pound twelve to leave your car there. I saw reports at the weekend on social media that cars at the train station were vandalised, that the windows were smashed on the car to get the sat mm. out of the car. So, uh, and and the one side, the ticket office side, the way people come up and down, up and down there at peak times, I'm sure at some point there's going to be an accident because people just reverse up and down there. They come up and down there. They're picking people up. Um, You've got no way of regulating that either. I, I struggle to think what even you would pay pound twelve for on that side. And then they talk about investing the money that they get from this into improving the facilities at train stations. There's probably a barely 40 spaces at Droitwich that they're charging for. Um, you're not going to generate an awful lot of income with that. We go back to my maths point again, but you're not going to generate an awful lot of income from that. And what's it going to do from Droitwich? And what are they going to do from Droitwich? Um, we'll have again, like we were talking about earlier, oh, it's all soon. It'll happen soon. Mm. You know, we've got plans. Nobody ever sees these plans, you know. Um, And interestingly, they didn't mention any of this when you went out the other day to the station. There was a public consultation. It was on the services itself, so they... They probably knew by then that yeah. they were going to start charging at that car park, but they didn't well, mention exactly. it once. To it anything. was four weeks ago, wasn't yeah. it? Four weeks. Four exactly. weeks ago that yeah. we went to that meeting. There was no mention at that point of this happening because I think a few more people might have come to that yeah. meeting. In fact, I'm quite happy to say that I would have gone and spoken to some of the residents that live in the immediate surrounding area, not far from me, who have got very strong views um, on this. And they would have come to that meeting as well to express their concerns about that particular proposal. This one feels like it's coming under the radar. And on top of all the disruption we've had in the past month since that meeting, it it just feels like um, kicking you while you're down, really. Absolutely, (laughs) yeah. Well, thank you very much, Alan, for coming to the studio. That was Councillor Alan Humphreys. And... um, We'd like to have you again in the future. Um, thank happy, you for yeah. yeah, thank you for touching that. Is there anything that you'd like to say in regards to if anyone has any concerns, any residents have any concerns, can they contact you? Yeah, they can yeah. contact me. My contact details are available on the uh, council website, um, uh, uk. Um, and I also know that the town clerk would pass on any of my contact details because he's got my permission to do it. So if anybody wants to contact me, I'm readily contactable and that's probably the best way to contact me. 
Thank you so much, Alan. Uh, now I will be going to Claire, and we will be speaking about the news, the rest of the, the news in Droitwich and Bromsgrove this week. <laughs> Hi and welcome back to the studio. It's Harry again with journalist Claire Bullivant and we are looking at this week's news. Um, I'm taking over from Tristan Har- editor Tristan Harris this week as he's currently in the Isle of Wight. I, I've been following him on Instagram all week. He, do you know what? Tristan is one of those people, isn't he, who just does so much. He's going on holiday. You know, if I was going on holiday, I'd like to lie on a beach and do nothing for yeah. me. But he's there. He's he's, he's even reading. Up. He's yeah. even reading the local newspaper. I think I oh, saw yeah, him I saw this morning. Bit, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure actually it'll probably be uh, keeping up with Bromsgrove and, and Droitwich News as well. No doubt. Totally keeping the tabs on us. But, um, <laughs> Hi, Tristan. Yeah. Since uh, Tristan since Tristan has been off, though, um, one of the big stories that has come in this week. Um, is that there's a school for up to 18 autistic children in Bromsgrove that's been given the go-ahead um, after councils approved the plans on um, on Monday. So, I mean, that's fantastic because there's not really that many facilities like that in Bromsgrove at the minute. Um, and the interesting thing about this story is that the Bromsgrove District Council officers had previously recommended to the councillors before it was approved to refuse the plans for the school, which is on uh, which is on Lockram Fields, at Copy Hot Lane, near so Stoke Pound. Okay, so that's kind of in between Redditch and yeah, Bromsgrove. Yeah, it, it's isn't it? the closer side to Bromsgrove, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean it comes under under Bromsgrove. Uh, but yeah, like you say, it's Copy Hot Lane. Is that a big stretch, isn't it? Somewhere between Bromsgrove and Redditch. And so it's for eighteen pupils. To, yeah, eighteen. Yeah, up to eighteen at a time. So I believe. I mean, although the plans haven't been completely finalised, I believe that will be eighteen per day. Um, I'm, I think it can probably shift mm. slightly. But yeah, um, brilliant. I, I posted this last night on the um, Instagram page, and we already had comments of people saying, "How do you apply? How can we apply?" Oh yeah, to, exactly. I mean, how will people apply? I mean, at the, at the minute, there, there are things that have been set. So, like we know, like the opening times will be between seven thirty a.m. and five p.m. Monday to Friday. It will be closed on Saturday, Sundays, and bank holidays. But as far as applying goes, it's only just been approved. So I believe that will be up to the applicant to to sort of assess near the time and we certainly will be touching on that soon and we'll mm. let people know but at the minute uh, nobody knows for that but what, what as i say and what was quite interesting is the the officers had previously recommended councillors refuse the plans mm. and they told them that it would be an inappropriate development because it's on green belt land and um, it had poor transport links because it's quite kind of in the middle of nowhere so mm. essentially saying it'd be hard for them to get in to get to, uh, despite admitting that Bromsgrove was in dire need of a school like it. Yeah, well, so. you, I mean, you do hear about um, autistic, you know, children and yeah. things, and there it doesn't seem to be that much, does there, for no. all of them around here often. So, I mean, yeah. it sounds amazing, but sometimes, I mean, 18 places or however many it's going to be, it might be very tough competition to oh, yeah. get into exactly. it somehow. Or, exactly. Uh, but maybe it could be the start of yeah. some... Thing yeah. new that, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, one of the re- Finstall resident um, agreed with us, saying that it's absolute necess- necessity that it will help support those wonderful young people with their education and their lives. And she set up a, peti- a petition, which was um, a, to essentially get the plans approved, just to throw her support behind it. And it reached 
just under 1,600 signatures. Wow. So that just goes to show, that's just a, a small Facebook petition so, that so, goes to show that people wanted it. So previous to, before it's been approved now, they just kept denying it because it was on this green belt land. Yeah, the officers said to the councillors, you shouldn't approve this. Hmm. But it received backing from all of the councillors, so, so they went against the grain. Yeah. Oh, right. Does that often happen? I wouldn't say so, no. Oh, Usually okay. go off officer recommendation because they're the ones who are going out and doing, you know, all the field study and stuff like that. So it's unusual to go against it, but I, I think this this particular time the public seems to have uh, had their voice heard and councillors seem to have gone with them instead. Well, I'm sure you're going to keep us updated Absolutely, with the developments. Yeah. We look forward to seeing what it all, it's all about. Absolutely, yeah, we'll keep people updated. Um, and also going on uh, is there's a few fed-up residents in Rubri who have hit out at Bromsgrove District Housing Trust and Bromsgrove District Council because saying that they fa- claiming they failed to deal with a rat infestation in their homes. Oh, um, this makes me shiver. I know. <laughs> <laughs> residents on Birch Road are saying that they're living in fear after coming face-to-face with the rodents on a daily basis. Um, they say the rats are coming from a sewer which runs at the back of... Birch Road, which is a cul-de-sac, into their gardens before finally settling inside their living rooms. <gasps> Actually um, coming in the houses? Yeah, coming oh into my the houses. Goodness. Um, well, don't they say you're never more than like six feet away from say, a rat or something? Yeah. Well, I've just been Googling. When you said we were going to be talking about rats, I mm. thought, I don't know anything about them. I just know I don't really like them. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> the average brown rat or Norwegian rat is what is the most common rat that we have here yeah. in this country grows up to 40 centimetres long, which is pretty big. That's like almost half a... That's scary big, yeah. That is scary. And it can have between five and ten babies three to six times a year. So from one rat, they can produce 60 of them, basically. 60 of themselves. So this is the sort of thing that the councils do need to get on top of because yeah. imagine yeah. if you don't keep on top of it it's um well they'll could, breed and they, there'll be more and, and, more and this more. is obviously yeah. what's happened yeah i mean uh, the thing is with this situation is uh, we've i've contacted both bromsgrove district council and bromsgrove um district housing trust and basically what what bdht are saying is that um in the house it is their problem and they will help residents get in contact with a pest control oh, person I see. so outside they but then outside that it's the council's responsibility to then start looking at the sewers and things like that and and put down essentially poison to kill this the, is the, the other thing like a lot of the councils, when they do it, they don't use the environmentally friendly poisons, do they? No. Whereas a lot of homeowners now do, because it only takes an owl or a bird to pick up the you know poison rat, and then that gets killed. That's and, a really good point. Something that I hadn't thought. Yeah, of, yeah, um, yeah, and I do know that a lot of councils don't bother doing the. It would be something that we, we maybe we could chase and find out at, their views yeah. on it. Who knows? Our council might be one of the good ones that does. Yeah, I mean, what, what residents keep saying as well is. That that they they're kind of getting fubbed off a little bit by the council because they've they, they they just send out a pest control guy too and they just put down traps and they kill and they kill the rats in the homes and or just outside the homes and and then but the rats are coming back again and again. One resident said he's had it happen to him for two and a half years now and that's just back and forth again. Just the same thing happens. Pest control come out, put down the traps and then they come back. Yeah, well, I remember um, when we had an office in Bromsgrove, 
um, it was our kind of like magazine division. We it was on the corner of Worcester Road, and you know there's that chippy there, and there's mm. the Chinese restaurant. I don't know if the Chinese restaurant's still there actually, but it was at the time. And the council were actually the Bromsgrove Council were amazing because there was a massive rat infestation when we first moved in, yeah. but they sorted it out. But it it is the sort of thing that they have to keep on top of because there is a chippy there and people just threw their chips and everything and yeah. it just kept exploding, exploding. Oh, and yeah. it was really hard to keep on top of. But, um, yeah, it's just you have to keep on at the council, don't yeah. you, really? Yeah. Well, we wish all of those uh, residents the best. And just to let them know, um, BDHT have advised calling 0800 85016 um, and that's the, that is BDHT so that they can put them in touch with a local pest control specialist Brilliant um, and also in, in, in Droitwich um, a man has pleaded not guilty to the murder of 80 year old Droitwich pensioner Desmond Wooding and you'll remember when I went out and spoke to the superintendent about this. Uh, yeah, this was the murder of that elderly was, gentleman yeah. that everyone loved and he was a very popular member of the community. Yeah, yeah. And we thought we'd got our guy, didn't we? I know, yeah. Um, so it's um, Adam Mason, age 32, from Plough Lane in Tiverton, denied the murder. That's the big thing. He denied the murder at Worcester Crown Court uh, last Friday. And Mark Mason, they are related, um, also from Plough Lane, pleaded not guilty to assisting an offender. So both men will now go on trial at court on December 9th this year. Why were they charged originally? Were they seen? Um, I, I believe, I mean, the police didn't go into it too much. Um, I believe they, they were caught on s- some footage from mm. a nearby pub. Uh, and... From our understanding, uh, Adam Mason, the, the man who's um, been charged with murder, um, f- sort of fleed and, he- and and went to one of his family homes, which oh, was this Mark so he, Mason, yeah. and then, you know, and then they, they kind of hid out or whatever. So, it makes it look so a bit... yeah, so this Mark Mason has been accused of assisting the offender for having. Um, Adam in the house with him because uh, it's, it's the sort of thing that just doesn't happen does it in Joytwitch like lovely things, little Joytwitch yeah. I think that's why it's so I mean uh, did you ever see the BBC programme Broadchurch no kind of reminds me of that it's a small village or small town or, and, and it's um, and a murder happens there so it's it's just unheard of isn't it really you don't really get them that often Mm. I uh, loved your um, coverage of it. You were straight there and you got the interview with yes. the police officer outside the property yeah, and you yeah. put it on live and that was, that on was YouTube. A... That was That's the future of news, isn't it, Harry? Yeah, we need yeah. to do more of that. Absolutely, yeah. 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 And you can follow our YouTube channels as well by um, just typing in into the search box, Droitwich Standard, uh, Redditch Standard, Bromsgrove Standard, Solihull Observer... Worcester yeah. Observer. And send us your videos as well, because yeah. we'll pop them on, on our channel. We're trying to grow the channels at the moment. They've only just launched. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to provide a lot more, um, you know, more visual Yeah, news. more video content going forward. I think that is absolutely mm. what people want to see. So, okay, so that's a roundup of the news. Uh, Tristan Harris, our editor, will be back next week. Um, so thank you for having me, Claire. A pleasure. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And I'll hand the ropes back to you now where you can let us know what's going on this weekend. Perfect. Thanks, Harry. Thank you. For all the things to do and see this week, it's Claire Bullivant with this week's What's On Gate. Thanks, Harry. 
Yes, we've got some fun things happening this weekend in town. Starting off on Friday, the 16th of August. Couple of great live bands for you on Friday night. Highway 61 will be on at the Hot Pole Inn in Bromsgrove. And the very talented Dan Greenaway, he'll be performing at number 3A in Aston Fields. You know I love my music, but I haven't actually seen Highway 61 perform yet. So I asked them what we can expect. And they said they'll be bringing Bromsgrove some of the best harmonica drivers and bar-rocking boogie blues from the North Coast to the Caribbean. Sounds amazing, doesn't it? I can't wait. But if you fancy a bit of sporting action on Friday evening, it's Droitwich First Team versus Bromsgrove First Team in the rugby at Droitwich Rugby Club. 7.30pm kickoff there. And this is just a kickoff pre-season friendly, so all welcome and it's free entry, so you can't beat that, can you? Then moving on to Saturday, the 17th of August, it's the Morton Stanley Festival happening at Morton Stanley Park in Redditch. If you're around, definitely try and get yourself there. They put this event on every year and it's absolutely brilliant. It's totally free. They've got loads of different music, food, there's a fun fair there, children's activities, loads of local stalls and demonstrations. It really is a fantastic day. And it's also actually on on Sunday. So it's 12 noon until 10 p.m. on Saturday. And on the Sunday, it's 12 noon until 7 p.m. So do try and check that out. There's also a good theatre production I've been told about happening over at the Artrix on Saturday night. It's a play entitled After the End and they say you can expect a claustrophobic, darkly comic, twisted tale and is yet another incredible offering from playwright Dennis Kelly. Artrix.co.uk for all the info on that. Also at the Artrix on Saturday is a showing of Rocket Man, but this time it's a sing-along version. Yes, you can sing along. I love these. I hate having to be quiet when a good song comes on. So I apologise now if you happen to be sitting next to me, but it all kicks off there, 7.30, and that's on Saturday night at the Artrix. And a couple of live bands for you too on Saturday night. The fabulous local band Kick the Fridge, they're going to be bringing down the house at the Hot Pole Inn in Bromsgrove on Saturday, and Nine Carat Purple, these guys are are apparently incredible. They're a deep purple tribute band and they're going to be performing at the Westcroft Arms in Droitwich, 9pm start there. Then on the Sunday, Sunday the 18th of August, don't forget it's the Studley Car Boot Sale. Gates open at 6am. You can always pick up a bargain at the Studley Car Boot Sale. It's a well-run enterprise and it's just a, it's a family-run business actually, but it's incredible. Every year it seems to get bigger and better. Studleycarbootsale.co.uk is the website if you want more details. Then in the afternoon, it's bandstand music in Sanders Park once again, but this time it's with the Chase Jazzmen. So take a deck chair or just take a stroll around the park between 2.30 and 4.30pm for a free afternoon of music in the park. Also, the Malvern Hills District Brass Band, they're going to be playing over in Droitwich in Lido Park on Sunday too. That's also between 2.30 and 4.30pm. Also on Sunday, there is a Kramer Cat Rescue and Sanctuary Open Day happening at their Hopwood location. B487TW is the postcode. I've been to these before. They're a fantastic day. It's all for a great cause. Money for raising money for the cats. 12 noon until onwards. It goes on all afternoon into the evening sometimes. There's stalls, a barbecue, prizes, gifts, games, fun galore. It's great for the whole family. So do try and support them if you can. 
There's also a lovely garden open day for charity happening on Sunday. This is at Round Hill Garden, 24 Braces Lane, B61DY is the postcode for your sat-nav. And this garden has been featured everywhere. It's been in the Daily Mail, it's been in Amateur Gardening Magazine, Gardening News, plus many, many local publications. Apparently it's spectacular. They're also putting on a great day for the charity. There's going to be a top bowler there, a secondhand bookstall, jigsaw puzzle stall, craft stall, and they'll be selling plants. 1.30 until 5.30 p.m. there. They're moving into next week. Just a couple of things for the kids. On Tuesday, the 20th of August, Trevor Hill and his Birds of Prey are back at Hanbury Hall and Gardens. WR97EA is the postcode for that. And if you haven't seen these guys before, they're amazing. Trevor Hill's falconry display team is one of the largest and most varied in the UK. He's got eagles, he's got vultures, hawks, falcons, owls, you name it. Gates open at 9pm. And definitely do check it out. Your kids, especially, they're going to love it. And also on Tuesday, it's another Circus Chaos workshop happening in Sanders Park with heaps of equipment to play on, learning and fun from all, for all ages. They actually say everyone from 6 to 106. Um, and their performer, Steve Chaos, will help you have lots of fun there. And it's all free, 12 noon until 4pm there. Have a lovely week, everyone. And remember, if you have an event going on, let us know so we can let everybody know. 